0: Devin and Morgana have been celebrating midlife love by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown-up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser. Men are more relationship-ready. And if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy, midlife love in your life.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Crazy, Sexy, Midlife Love. Uh, My name is Morgana. This is my husband, Devin. We have been getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries, twenty-five down, seventy-five to go, and then I think we'll keep going. And one of those weddings was in Manzanillo, Mexico, at the Expert Insight Publishing Awards, the Epi, uh, the Epi Awards for best-selling authors. And Devin and I are both best-selling authors, so we were enticed to speak in Mexico several years back with the promise that they would throw us a wedding. Well, I think it was more a phrase like, we'll marry you. So I thought we would sneak off into a little corner. And the woman who hosts the event, Vicki Winterton, who owns the publishing company, I figured she would just, you know, read our script and marry us. And then we would get back to the event and the speakers and all that. And, and by the
2: way, we've had that before and it turned out great. I think we got married like that in Toronto and a couple other places. Where matter of fact, we've had like uh, the, the receptions behind the counter of the hotel, uh, come meet us out in the parking lot. And you know what I mean? Do yeah, something Serbia, really,
1: Mostar, really easy kind Montenegro. of Montenegro. Right,
2: absolutely. Like they were all that's great. Fine. They were all yeah. great. So that's so we were expecting sort of something similar, and that would have been great.
1: And I threw a a tunic in, a, a tunic with my yoga pants, but the tunic had white in it because it was a wedding. And, and I thought, okay, good to go, easy to travel. And then we got there. And there was this, I think, anthropologist who is asking us questions and giving us this outline of this incredibly, Ornate traditional ritual where somebody's going to sing and somebody's going to talk about chocolate and somebody's going to talk about like pepper and
2: well, so if if I remember correctly, okay. uh, her name was Elizabeth Torres and she I'm is so an anthropologist and uh, she is she was basically a professor outside of of uh, where we were staying uh, near Kalima, um, Manzanillo. And uh, she put together a. Which uh,
1: is a gorgeous coastal town in Mexico and where the movie 10 was shot, you know, where Bo Derek arises from the ocean like Aphrodite herself was shot in Manzanillo. Go on.
2: Right. And so it was so it's a beautiful location. We were at this great resort. Uh, So uh, this anthropologist basically said, because we weren't expecting anything. Uh, she said, "Okay, well, we need you to be on opposite sides of the staircase. Uh, there's all kinds of symbolism. There's actually seven uh, marriage trials, and she was an expert in Mayan and I believe Aztec culture. And so there was these seven segments where there was like for each thing there was chocolate and peppers and different herbs and, and things,
1: salt, and and they re- and everything represents something.
2: Yeah, no, it was this was like a heavy duty." Ritual and ceremony, I, you know, With I don't know.
1: Incense and flowers and dancers. That. Right. And so for each for each
2: segment of the seven steps of this kind of earthly wedding, uh, there was no joke, like 40 costume dancers who were all, and they were doing very specific dance moves, everything was heavily choreographed, it wasn't sort of like just everybody go like this, it was not there was no hokey pokey going on There, this was like stuff that people had to rehearse with, and quite literally part of the team of dancers that were there ranged from like five years old to like 75 years old so it had this huge thing loads of incense, they made uh, sort of like they had the north, south east and west, the quarters created out of uh, four different kinds of very uh, uh colorful flowers and we had come down these spiral sta- staircases to meet each other but since we could not see each other initially we had to fa- face with, we had to face away with our backs turned towards each other as we were still ser- searching for the other one it was, it was really- like
1: to represent all of our years single looking for the other person and not seeing the other person
2: Right. And so there was, there was singing, there was dancing. Uh, there I was had dancing
1: to, to represent going to the past and going to the future.
2: It was, it was elaborate. All I can say is it was elaborate. Um, it was really quite remarkable. There was lots, I mean, there was loads of different like audience people had to come up and recite things, do things. And I had to sing a song, which I think I chose I'm in the mood for love and I forgot the lyrics. Unfortunately, Elizabeth uh, remembered them. Uh, and it was just, it was a really special day and it wasn't done. It wasn't done because we had sort of like the state lasso, lasso champion of Kalima, who was like 11, um, come out, or at least he was for, you know, for his age group. He was the lasso champion. He came out. Uh, there was also uh, pinatas for the kids. Starting with us. Starting with us. And we did horribly. Yeah. Um and uh, then they had uh, a charro. A charro is a pardon my really rolling my R's. It's a double R word in Spanish. Uh, a charro is basically like uh, a cowboy, but it's like it's like a Latin lover cowboy. So he is like dressed to the nines with the cowboy hat. And uh, lots of silver all over him, and working it out. And he is on a dan- a dancing horse. In other words, a highly highly trained horse that did all kinds of remarkable tricks. It was it was crazy.
1: And then they fed us, and they gave us that kind of uh uh what is what is the the liquor the kind that tequila, uh, like this incredibly expensive tequila that was like one of the tastiest things that I've ever had, but it's like fire going down your throat. Um, And, and we're in this glorious resort on the, you know, on the water and tropical and beautiful and all these wonderful, kind people and everybody just kind of comes together like a family and they're our family for this event. Even if we didn't know them before the event years later they remember being there. And we're bringing this up because we just had this year's Epi Awards. We, you know, we are once again best-selling authors. And and this time it's because uh They interviewed us about our wedding and then put it into a book called The Magic of Manzanillo, which became an international number one bestseller. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and reading that chapter, like just brought it all back. And so we we won some more uh, literary awards for. Being in this book, because the book won a bunch of awards and we had the grand ceremony today and, uh, you know, exciting stuff. So that's that's what's been going on. And then um, and then
2: and we should point out Vicki Winterton was the, the really the remarkable, incredibly generous uh, publisher this is the uh, event. who puts together the event. We've been to multiple yeah. events, and that is the lovely Vicky and yeah. her husband. For those of
1: you watching the video, I'm holding up a uh, the program that has Vicky Winterton and her husband, Terry, who live down in Manzanillo. Uh, and you, you visit enough times, and, and you kind of want to move down there. Um,
2: yeah, I know. It's a beautiful, without question, it's a beautiful part of the world. Um, you know, I can't wait to get back to
1: Next year, yeah, ne- next wait. year's awards. We just we do it every year.
2: Yeah, it was a it's it's a great event. It's a great event.
1: But uh, so after uh, after the virtual ceremonies wrapped up and we we went to the beach and came home, we saw uh, a plane with a banner. Devin saw it. I was too oblivious. Uh, what what did the banner say?
2: Uh, it said, "I love you." will you marry me, Ashley? And so that was the the romance of the day. And I told that airplane driver that her name was Morgana. And he came up with Ashley. I was first, I just let me say, sometimes you don't get what you pay for. And so this is just one of those moments where I am
1: because I, I because shake my I, fist at the heavens. I pointed out I'm that that outraged. That Stevens never proposed to me with an airplane.
2: Well, I did, but he got the pilot. <laughs> the pilot got it wrong.
1: And I fell in love with you for oh, your I'm above so, par lying skills. Oh,
2: I'm so glad that you. <laughs>
1: you believe. Okay, so we have an amazing guest, like all airplanes aside, we have an amazing guest today. I saw her speak a few weeks ago, and I was enthralled and inspired. She is a visionary and a poet. She is a soul sage doctor, a keynote speaker, an author, a coach, and you're gonna love her. Uh, I heard her speak and I just wanted her for the show so badly and I didn't know how to fit her in. And I was, and so I asked her if she was married and she said 19 years. And that was like, okay, that takes care of that. You're in. So we are going to meet Precious Pauling and her husband, Rondell. And I can't wait for you to fall in love with them like I did. Welcome, Precious. And before we dive in, I have to ask you, how did you get
3: your name Precious? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question. People often never ask me that question. But what happened was I am the second oldest of seven, and my mom went into labor. And when she went into labor, I was losing oxygen. So they had to do an emergency C-section. And when they did that emergency C-section, I came out and they named me their Precious Child. So oh, that's, that's how fun. I got the name Precious.
1: That is beautiful. And it's such a perfect mirror to your message to everybody, which is Mm -hmm. I choose me. I thought you might have chosen that name for yourself, given your message, I choose me. Mm -hmm. So since this show is primarily about, well, it is about love. And that includes self-love. But we are usually talking about Loving somebody else and being loved by somebody else. How does I choose me fit into the picture for you? You've been married, I think, how many years? years. 19 years. 19 years. Whoa.
3: We just celebrated 19 years March 3rd. So, yeah.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. And, And you have five
3: kids. Five. Yes, we do. We have three girls and twin boys. So we have a 19 year old. She'll be 20. Everybody's going up. So we're going to have a 20 year old. We're going to have a 16 year old. We're going to have a 14 year old and we have twin boys that will be turning 12. So, yes, they have a nice little tribe over here.
1: (laughs) So how does choosing yourself fit into all that? Oh, my goodness. Um, one of the most
3: amazing things is that when we, uh, on our 19-year anniversary, my husband did a reproposal to me as a surprise with all the kids being there. And so we're going to renew our vows next year with them being included, everybody. But what was so amazing was in his vows, one of the lines that brought tears to me was that he said that you taught me to spoil your husband and your kids and still make time for you. Um, A lot of people who follow me, who know my story, I am not afraid to let people know what it costs for me to be worth my yes. And I suffered from incest molestation. I suffered from uh, uh, not being believed. I suffered from a lot of trauma. And what I learned in that trauma was that God was processing me into promise. And so I didn't figure out what all that meant until I became a mom. I had decided that I wasn't going to have any kids. Think of the irony of five, right? Most people that see me like, you have five kids. You know, you were somebody that said I was going to be free because I was overwhelmed and I was the second oldest. So I was very responsible. And I was like, when I get my freedom, I'm just going to do me. And I want to make sure that I could have everything I want and I choose me. And I realized that God was, processing me. Because because of what I went through, it made me a different mom. It made me want to be a stay-at-home mom. And while I was staying at home, not because I was thinking about what I would develop into, I was staying at home because of the fear of what had been planted in me, the fear that maybe my kids wouldn't be safe, or maybe they wouldn't be able to tell me their story. And so that fear birthed a mother. So I realized that in the valley, my value was formed. And so I learned to teach them that their voice mattered, and I learned to pour into them, and I showed them love, and God showed me love. And so I said that the process of, of me growing and loving myself, when everybody was uh, thinking, oh, well, you know, she should go get a job, or she should... Do other things that me and my husband sacrificed at a time when people weren't seeing that being done, especially in our community. We are a twenty year old and a twenty year old. I'm twenty one year old who got married. So you're talking about kids who had to grow up together. But we uh, were able to realize that because of all of that process of me being able to deal with those pain issues and show up as a mom, I was able to develop into. I am today, and so it cost me that experience in order for me to show up and actually be able to become the self love guru guru, because I realized the word says treat your neighbors as you treat yourself. And until I love on me, until I celebrate me, until I let go of those things that hindered the beauty or the light, you know, they just showed me that it was going to make me the answer to somebody's problem. And so that's I think that was the gift in that lesson that I was able to turn into a blessing.
2: Can I ask you a question? Um, Absolutely. First off, that's a beautiful story. Um, The first thing that comes to my mind is that a lot of people who go through the kind of trauma that you're describing, sometimes they don't come out the other side uh, as, as perfect and whole as you do. Is there sort of a, 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 do you have, what's your secret? What's your secret to success for doing that?
3: Hmm. The secret to success was that exact idea that I realized that I had to change the way I saw it. I had to mentor my mindset. So we do spring cleaning on our homes, our cars. We actually take care of everything outside of our soul. Our soul is the most important thing. And to me, all the soul is, is how you think about yourself. So what I had to do was realize that all of those negative things that I thought that were, uh, I would say, thrown in my garden through my experiences of life, it was my job to take the weed out. But not to cut it. To deal with it. And so instead of me getting apologies, I started to seek God. I started to seek guidance. I started to seek the value in those moments. And then I stopped judging people for who they were and I judged the idea that God wrote them in like that. So when I forgave the people who God wrote in the story for who He wanted me to become, I became a better person. And it taught them to realize that we don't have to hold on to a lot of stuff, that our gift is. Is turning that experience into the solution. That's why God sent me. So when I realized that it was bigger than me, when I was able to share more of my story, I mean, it was years. I was married to my husband for five years before he knew I was molested by my own father. I didn't share that. So could you imagine how confused he was? because of stuff that I buried, which we all do because we claim the shame of other people and not the process or the promise that we got or developed through it. So, By me being courageous enough to be able to tell myself my value and not care what the outside was thinking before they could understand the story, it gave me the courage to let my mess age so I could have a message. I would say the gift I gave myself was allowing myself the time without the Restrictions to go through what I was feeling in order to be who I am today. So I, it's no magic pill, but it was a conscious decision to have faith in the you you want to be. And it started by how I saw it, because everything starts from a seed of thought that becomes your reality. So when I, and people used to say all the time, you live in a fairy tale land, but now it looks like a reality to them. So I became, they didn't hear me then, but because I have all the tools that I use to share through my soul, uh, my doctor, my courses, my programs, which is so funny that the precious that I say, uh, a gram, a professional in gram is solidness, right? And so when I think about the grams, I think about the gems that we drop, which are intellectual property. If I can give you a piece of myself which just was, which was just information for you to apply and it changed the trajectory of your life, then that is why those are gems and that's why I pressures are so befitting even now that i know myself more than i did 20 years ago or maybe 40 years ago when i was born that god is allowing us to process into our namesake and we get to name ourselves through what we know is true and what is true is that i went through that but i didn't die there i resurrected and what is true is that evidence is who i am because of that and if we would find out what we went through i say the why is when heaven yells and that is what your uh, what is your wisdom hat. So now I carry a wisdom hat because when heaven yelled, I listened and I showed up in order to t- turn that death into a resurrection. And that's what that's what you see today. Mm.
1: I love I love the way you speak. I love your way with words. You're so inspirational. I know you hear that. I'm sure every day of your life. And you said so much good stuff, but there was one thing that really stuck like such an easy hook that I've never heard before is your when your mess ages, that's your message. Oh my God. And it and it implies that there is the allowance of time for that to happen. You don't have to like get right. it instantly. Mm. Can you talk about that?
3: Yes, um, I have actually one of the topics that I deal with that says that your purpose is not microwavable. It's like cooking. And so we want what we want now. And we say God is always an on-time God and that he pre-qualifies us. And he doesn't pre-qualify you for the future. He pre-qualifies you for the now. And I say now is new opportunity worthy. And as long as you have breath, you have the now. And so the way we qualify ourselves is by basically realizing that as long as I'm stuck in yesterday which is the pain of my past and I don't show up in today which is my present I never get into the future and so I realized that many of us are survivors but many of us aren't survivors because your soul is what you think about yourself after the experience and so the insanity is that the flesh is showing the truth of the war in the battle won but the mind is stuck in the defeat Of not the victory, and so when I say we are survivors, we know we got through that thing, but we're not survivors because we haven't changed how we spoke about ourselves, which is why we haven't showed up in the fullness or the light of it all. So I often say that is it's about us realizing that it's our responsibility to turn our heartbeat into a soul beat in order to leave a soul print because the fingerprint tells us what you got wrong in this world but the soul print tells us what you got right and I often say what God got right is you and so if I can find out what was that for and what it was teaching me and how can I serve somebody with it for me to get a return on my investment then that is me showing up purposefully every day because process into promise is about purposefully stepping forward every single day until you reach whatever destination and they are going to change upon arrival but if you don't have faith in your yesterday and what you acquired and what you conquered then what will you have to lead you into your tomorrow so the mindset of dealing with our soul the mindset of what we accomplish through it all is what leads us into our greatest destiny where we get to live in a reality that looks like magic so people look at me like you're so magical and it's because we are all magical because we are the supernatural force abracadabra is a moment every moment we choose to show up for ourselves we create another moment which is the wand in your life so you're waiting for somebody to show you magic when god said i placed the magic inside you you've experienced that you know your worth you know your value the question is what will you do with what you pay for what you already acquired
2: what i love about what you're saying and by the way i completely agree with you um, I, I love how you talk about purpose and consciousness and being in this moment. And I think when I think of, of similar things, I, I tend to think of sort of like we're always at a Y crossroads. And it's either I can be in fear or I can be in faith. And the problem is, is the fear frequently appears very real. Right. And the universe has a way of saying, are you sure you want to go down this faith road? Because I'm going to give you a whole lot of reasons to not see the faith. I'm going to give you a whole lot of reasons to feel the fear. And I think that's what stops a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think that stops a lot of people because what ends up happening is, okay, I know it's right. I know the right thing to do or I know the next action I should be taking in my life. And then I'm going to feel the fear. And I don't like it because I just want to feel OK. And sometimes I'd rather just be like flatlined rather than having to do this other thing where I don't know what the result's going to be. Right. And so I'm assuming when you talk to people, you probably talk a lot about this idea of, of fear and getting beyond what you think you are supposed to be in this world. Um, how do you how do you work with people or how do you talk to people about that that
3: idea you know what i find a lot of times people don't have enough people to share their truths with Mm. because the reason why we don't celebrate our experiences is because everybody is always defending themselves and nobody is hearing how it landed or what you throw and so we're everybody is fighting to be heard and nobody is fighting to listen And I think that's another big part of service. So what I do is I listen to them because in listening to them, I give them another perspective. You see, the problem is that they have no other perspective than the one that's traveling in their mind. And so God always says, if two touch and agree, it is so. I challenge myself through my experience to always be someone who can touch and agree with where they are in order for them to get through. And we live in lives where we don't have that person to touch and agree on our dreams because it seems irrational to touch and agree on our um, experiences because they're comparing it to theirs to touch and agree on what makes us authentic because it doesn't look like what makes them authentic. And I, want them to understand that what being one of a kind means is value in the fact that from where you're standing, it matters. And I want them to know that, The reason why it matters is because they're here and we all know matter is nothing but stuff that takes up space and you matter because God has you still breathing. And so the idea is to find out why did he want it to matter to you? Because in every scenario, God is so powerful that everybody's getting their own private lesson. To turn into a blessing. And while we're so confused on minding God's business, which is other people's perspective in it, we forget about ours. And I often tell them it is our ability to be dumb. People get offended when I say dumb because most people don't know what it means. To be dumb means to be without voice or speechless. And we go from dumb kids to dumb adults, because we suffer in silence. And when I say no more sense, I don't say queen, girl, woman. I mean, suffering in silence. We all suffer in silence through the traumas that we think other people can't deal with. And then they misunderstand how we react because we have that seed that somebody else planted that we haven't garden in our own mindset or in our realities. And so what I teach them is to not see it as what they did wrong, but see it as what you miss. Because what they said only stuck to you because it was already there. Because you confirm or deny whatever somebody offers you. And while we can blame the world for our misunderstanding of the light that we possess, it all starts with the relationship that we occur with ourselves. And if I can love on me and if I can know me and I can embrace my worthiness, then it changes how I hear what you say. And instead of me feeling offended, I might start feeling empathy because I can hear in your words the mirror of yourself. I can hear in your words what you expect or what you thought you gave me because you tried to, but you may have missed a mark. And if we can stop being offended by each other and really try to understand, we all become that very special piece that creates the whole puzzle, which is one unique place, one unique thing that cannot be compared nor can it fit in any other position. So it allows us to be our own selves and really listen to other people's perspective and be open-minded so that we can actually try to heal in order to get to the levels that we deserve to be. And that's what every moment is teaching us
1: healing. You said something very interesting about listening that reminded me of what you said in the beginning about how your abuse wasn't believed. Right. I think that's one of the biggest pains human beings Mm -hmm. have. sometimes, just being heard mm. and having your experience validated mm. can heal the wound itself.
3: Mm. And can I tell you what I just got when you said that too, that ooh, touched my heart? Because of that non-belief, guess what it told me? That I didn't need a cosigner because it was still real whether they believed me or not. So it let me see that it doesn't their belief system doesn't change the reality of the situation. And so my belief system was according to my experience. And we fight to defend people's experiences when it is real from where they are standing and what they know to be so. And instead of challenging their reality in accordance to what you want because it messes up the picture of what you created, it is about accepting how it hit them and how it affects them and so that's why belief is so important because if it doesn't start with you nobody can co-sign it
1: your reality is your reality that's all that matters and that's not mm. negotiable mm. yes so let's go back to i choose me mm-hmm. and you also chose your husband oh yes how does that work together uh i i would
3: say uh are you and you're right on time Here
1: he ain't come like on
3: cue. i would say um how i chose you know how i chose my husband it's, it's so crazy that uh mm-hmm. it was ordained he he really ordained <laughs> because honestly when we got together i had a boyfriend I wasn't even looking. And he happened to be around and let's just say, you know, he grew on me. <laughs> <laughs> I said he came to and I would say he chose me unconsciously. He I always say he came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he got and I put a flag in him. And he married me what twice already? With five kids and a you know, and a nineteen. So I think well, actually, why don't you you say tell him what made you choose me? Because I think uh, a man finds a woman and then we agree if we can co sign the uh, idea. <laughs> so, what made you want to um, marry me?
2: Uh, you started off on an easy question.
4: <laughs> it was, yeah, that was. That was uh, your, your cheap, her cheap, her frugleness <laughs> Her frugalness is what really.
1: Can I, I can't quite hear you. Her, her
4: frugalness is what actually attracted me. I was—I mean, of course, her beauty. She was a nice-looking young lady, but when we went to the store and she asked for a discount, and then she got a discount, and then she checked her receipt <laughs> and refused. She, <was> <laughs> she thought it was too much. I was like, "Wow, so she's different, <laughs> <It's> different." <laughs> so kind of, she kind of got me. You know, she 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 did a couple little things that that kind of got that kind of like went above and beyond the normal stuff that women were doing normally doing for me. So I was just like, what? Well, she, she just gave me a different look about it
3: from
4: her actions.
3: Nice, nice. So he liked me because I was different, and I and I have this shirt that I made that says, "He married his favorite girlfriend." Because we love a lot, and he may have loved us all, but to be favored is to be set aside, is to be set apart. And so I would say that when they pick a wife, it is because of, because of all the girlfriends, you stood out as the favorite. Now, if you stay the favorite, is something different. But the reason they chose to marry you was because you were different than anything they experienced, and they, I believe they trusted themselves with him. Because one of the key things was he felt that I was looking out for him. And not looking out for what I needed, but I give to receive, and so because I was serving him, he saw the uh, I guess the light in me, and light and service is light. So I guess that's how that's that's a good well, way. I so
2: think. this brings up a couple questions for me. So we're talking about a marriage, which for me means that I'm choosing someone to be sacred to me, mm-hmm. right beyond everybody else, because we've got whatever seven billion people on the planet. And I'm choosing this one rather than searching around, right? So there's the search. So there's the, the sacred part to it. And then there is the favorite part to it. How do you maintain, uh, A, how did you know that you were each other's sacred person? And how did you know, like, how do you maintain after 19 years that you are still the favorite? Like, is there something that you guys do to do that, to maintain that?
4: Well, for me, it's—I've been in situations in my marriage, you know, we got married young. That where I've been in relationships where, once I get tired of something, I mean, that's it. Like, there's no more talking. I can just cut anyone off. To this day, I can just cut anyone off, and it doesn't affect me. It's no like there's no love loss. I don't get miserable. I don't miss people. Like none of that. But when it came to her. Even when she pushed me to where I, I felt like I've never been pushed before, I just couldn't walk away from the relationship. I don't know what it like. It has to be something bigger than than me. And that's how I feel. It was something bigger than something bigger than this because I don't normally, you know, I don't. It's a lot of stuff that I just. I just couldn't deal with that I'm dealing with now <laughs> and that I didn't even know that I was able to do until I got into a marriage, a relationship with this young lady right here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would say is just the, the the wanting to change.
3: Mm.
4: You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I know. I, I <laughs> absolutely know. There's something else. To me, there's something else going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're having a conversation, but there's for me anyway, there's this bigger thing that's going on that I don't quite always understand. I tend to call that thing God, but you call it the cosmic ooze, call it, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just think there's this other thing that's going on. And the more I'm aware of it, the more I can pick and choose things in and out of my life in a conscious way. And when I'm conscious of that thing, I lead a better life. You know, I don't always love the results. right. I don't have to love the results, but I tend to be like at ease with me. Like, it's okay. You know, like I'm not happy with the result, but okay, we'll, we're moving forward. I, is that something that's true for you as
3: well? Yes. I would say one of the things that I have been um, practicing, especially in this last year in the marriage, is emotional control. Give you a quick story. Yeah. Um, we were, uh, I had hired myself. I started this program where you hire yourself. And so you create, you pick a part of your life that you want to create momentum in. And you must hire yourself 40 hours a week in that specific area, creating qualifications. And you have to follow through for 30 days to form the habit. So I was doing this monthly hire myself and I was doing my um, other business things. And I decided to hire myself in my marriage to spend extra time to make sure that while I was being an amazing mom and an amazing speaker and an amazing coach and doctor and all these other things that I was being an amazing wife as well. So on this particular day, I say, okay, it's middle in the afternoon and. He's not going to be expecting this. I'm hiring myself. I'm going to make a bubble bath because we all know at the end of the day, you know, there's one thing that can always fix a man sometimes. I said, I'm going to give him a bubble bath, give him that one-on-one time because with all the kids, you could imagine how hard it is to get that one-on-one time. So I set the the bubbles and I got the music going and I'm and he's laying on the bed and I'm walking from the bathroom. The doors, are, the double doors are open and you can hear the love songs playing from the wedding. And he's just laying there. Now, now I'm practicing my emotional control because I have that consciousness in me now. So I was taking two steps in the old oh precious and I walked two feet and I was about to say, "What are you doing? You want this time? I'm sad at the time." And, and that was my first instinct, but the whispers say you can create your reality by how you do so on the third step i changed my energy and i walked up to him as he was laying on the bed ignoring all of this and i decided to just Take off his sock. And when he looked up and he saw me, he immediately got back and forth because it wasn't what I thought it was. Once again, the seeds in my mind, he just was distracted. Nothing more, nothing less. But I could lie to myself and change the outcome. But because I was consciously thinking I can dictate my outcome by how I show up. So because I did that and he opened his eyes and he looked up, we had an amazing afternoon, which I know wouldn't have been if I had been the person that I was OK being and and with this chip on my shoulder. But if our responsibility is to always have a good day, then it starts with how I show up, not how he shows up, but how, the me that shows up, because it's very hard for them to fight against love. I say love grows everything. And he just couldn't do nothing but. And, and, I, and I saw it in that moment because I've had moments when it went the other way. So I already knew how that would end up. But I chose a different tactic and got exactly what I deserve, which was what we saw before we started. And so once you create that vision, what you do. Those moments are actually going to follow through with it being exactly how you want it to be just by your showing up and being OK with it, not working out the way you thought. But if your goal is for the best, then you got to always put your best forward.
1: You just gave the greatest argument for why I believe <laughs> midlife love is better. Hmm. We are just smarter. Yes, we are <laughs> smarter.
2: We've already failed a lot. Uh, Oh my
3: God, that's so true!
2: Yeah, no, I've failed at everything. (laughs) And I think what what you're talking about is if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. Come on now. And if I'm getting used to, like if something doesn't go my way and I yell and scream at it, I'm going to get that result every single time. Every single time. So it's just logic. If I want some other thing to take place... Right, because me yelling and screaming has a certain kinds of kind of results, right. and they're usually not what I want. And it usually doesn't make me happy. I don't sleep better because of it. Mm-hmm. If I do this other thing, and you just talked about it so beautifully that you can do it in a split second,
3: split second,
2: and I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it wasn't the oh easy my god choice. I'm sure you you have this one side of you going, "I'm going to kill him," and the other side is like. But wait. But just love him. And it's a whisper. No, just love him more. Double down on the love. And when you double down on the love, everything seemed to change.
3: Always. Always. There's only one way. And that's what I think we're learning in that Midlife Love, to communicate better. We are actually working on a book that will not come out until later, but it's called, until our 20-year anniversary, we're going to launch it. But it's called Loving Healthy, Living Wealthy. But wealthy is spelled W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Because the more we learn each other, wasn't that we started here, but I love to say we process into promise. We actually showed up for the yes because every day that you're married I often say when people ask about the yes it's like when when he proposed to me when he got up we weren't married we had to plan a wedding we had to go through those steps we had to prepare for the yes and that is what happens when you say I do every day you wake up showing up for that yes what it requires of you to follow through with the yes of what marriage looks like so it doesn't mean it's easy it only means it's worth it and because we put into the And because we invested in our loves, we get to get a return of amazing children, to get amazing communication that we grew into because we were able to unpack our trust and insecurities on each other so we no longer felt that we were alone but we realized that God actually blessed us with a journey buddy that was going to make us deal with the things that we thought were hidden so that we could be the person that God called us to be so I know that I'm everything I am because of him even though I had no idea that my gift and a lot of the love for myself was trapped in how he was going to see me, serve me, protect me and show up so he rewrote the story of my past and gave me a future of magic. So yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Were you gonna say something? Mm-hmm. Okay. You you okay, so you mentioned the book that you're writing. hmm You've actually already written a number of books which are I I believe available at your website.com mm-hmm. and and we'll put that in the the show notes. Yeah. Um if you got to choose one book that would make the biggest impact on our audience, what book would you recommend? Of it, your would,
3: it would definitely be 365 Days of Loving Yourself to Life, Becoming the Gift You Were Always Meant to Be. Because my mission started by, until you love you, it's like this cup. And if you have a cup, and no matter what your responsibility is, if I take this cup and I set it here and I set it into a pen and say this a pen was sitting around the cup let's say a flat pen and I began to say or pour from the water of the pitcher I poured a little bit of myself which represents the cup just enough for it to stand in, and then I stopped pouring into me and I started to pour into the pen which represents my roles and titles meaning whatever job I am me being a mom me being a wife me being a friend daughter all those things and I began to pour into the pen and every time I show this uh experiment the cup always falls over and then i stop them and i pour everything out and i want them to see what god meant when he said love yourself for it first it's not selfish it's selfless because when i put that cup back down and i begin to say i am a healer i am a teacher i am a i am special i am motivated i am the x factor and i filled up that cup and only poured in that cup as the water began to pour, guess what? This cup began to overfill and it began to fall into all of my roles and titles, my wife, my mom um, being a mother, being a sister, being a friend. And as no matter how much I poured into the she that God created me to be, no matter all the overflow, the cup never fell over. And guess what? The pen overflowed. And so did everything else that was around it Because the idea is When I take care of me I'm really taking care of everything That is attached to me I am the ocean and they are the streams So as much water is in me As much can flow through them So if I do my work Then the other work is easy That's the concept
1: (laughs) And how is that working for you, Rondell?
4: It's working very well (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing I've learned is change, man. You have to constantly change, even even. I mean, not just in a marriage, in any relationship that you have, man. It's constant change.
3: Mm-hmm. we your mind daily.
4: Well, I think
2: we're supposed to evolve. Yes.
4: Right. Yes.
2: Even if it's like, you know, I I think we're supposed to just kind of we have to be present, mm. and I think we have to kind of roll with it. And then look inward about what it is that I can change. Because I can't make you change. I can't make the world change to serve me. That's Mm. not going to happen, right? That's me yelling and screaming and getting the results that, Mm. you know, are terrible. Um, But I can change. And I can look into my heart and try to turn it. Because usually it's much more about a slight shift in perception leading to great change rather than me throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's right. That's right. I just have to do these little things and be like what you said. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to get annoyed with my husband. I'm going to take off his sock <laughs> and, and gently guide him to be present with me.
3: That's right.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. I think, that's, I think that's wonderful.
3: Oh, let me tell you a pivotal thing we learned that was, what, about five years ago? The reason why he felt I was like, you know, I would give my opinions all the time and he was like, I was like, why you act like you jealous cuz I get to say what I want to say, you can say what you want to say. And he was like, that is not true. I was like, what do you mean is not true? He said, example, if I say what I want to say, it It changes my nighttime experience. So I choose to suffer in silence because I prefer (laughs) to have a nighttime experience. So in that moment, I apologize. And I said, moving forward, you have the permission to say whatever you're feeling. And no matter how I receive it, it doesn't change your nighttime experience. So here's something that for 15 years he was suffering in silence because he wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, He can get loving. So he would not deal with real issues that were annoying him for his bottom line. And so it was like how much we miss for what we want and is unfair fear that we aren't given the permission to be vulnerable and share our truth because we don't want people to punish us for how it landed on us and i think like we said at the beginning why it's hard to have conversations because we know we can't trust people with our truth because it changes how they move instead of changes
1: how they hear us how did you work with yourself to receive things that he said that may have hurt.
3: I'm still working on that every day because I realize in my own teaching people that, you know, educator, you're being, that means that you're learning as you're teaching. And so when I learned that I still got to do this spring cleaning because there are certain things that are always coming up. And so, like I said, it is a journey, buddy, that God is trying to basically get you ready for positioning. And so all of these things that I'm taking you through is to mold you into that Thing I need you to be. So, what I realized that he was making me address the seeds that have been planted, that I was hearing him different. So, it wasn't what he was saying, it was what I was hearing due to somebody else's planting. That I wasn't treating him according to the plant that he showed up as, but I was treating him according to the bad seeds that other people left in me. And so, I had to start realizing that by everything he's doing, that what I'm thinking he's meaning is so wrong. And by us having, um, um, I started this one-word conversation with uh, two of my friends we do on Sunday. We really talk about words. And what I realized is that words have emotional connections to them according to who introduced you to the word. And so I often say, my dad for me is different than somebody else. I don't take your truth of it from you. I allow you to live in your experience of being walked down an aisle. But in the same breath, you don't get to take my experience from me. You allow me to say certain people I leave at a distance and so it's allowing each other to realize that if I can allow you to stand in your perspective because it was your experience and you allow me to stand in minds and not, not take it personal but count it as process that we're better for it so it is still something that I am practicing daily, and it starts with my emotional control I realize that when I react I'm out of control emotionally meaning I haven't addressed that which is inside of me so I realize it has nothing to do with him it's all me and so it allows me to be like alright Right. this is a you thing let him learn his lesson it ain't my job to teach him his lesson i'll give it to god but i got to learn mine because it's keep on testing me so god i say the tests are today's evidence of surviving trials so i gotta find out what do i need to survive today so that i can change my tomorrow by how i think and i'm ruining time by misunderstanding and misappropriating situations and words that have no but what is it validity in this relationship. So that's a that's a daily practice that I'm telling you. Once I master, honey, I'm going to sell that book. <laughs>
2: no, there, there is, you know, what you're describing is stuff that I've personally studied for a long time, or at least the way I'm understanding it. Uh, it deals with something called Kabbalah, which is basically kind of like a, a mysticism, a mystical form of Judaism. And what you're describing, or at least the way I'm understanding it, is that we really learn to take our reaction and turn it into proaction. In other words, we turn it into consciousness. Because I think what when I look at the world what I see so much of the conflict is is that we're reacting to things. Mm-hmm. And we try to control this thing and we can't. Yeah. And so the only thing I, I, again, going back to what we were just talking about a couple minutes ago, is that I have the choice to either react to the thing. And more often than not, when I react to something, even if it's a positive reaction, sometimes it's like, yeah, no, maybe you need to take a a step back and breathe on this for a couple minutes before taking an action. In other words, moving my reactive brain into some sort of consciousness, Some sort of like where I'm willing, you know, I've thought about the right action here. You know, sometimes, you know, like there have been periods when I've given my daughter. And one of the things that I always think about is I love my daughter very much. And when she was tiny, we'd go through the market and uh, she would yell and scream when we're going down the cookie aisle because she'd see some cartoon clown and she wants the cartoon clown. And so, you know, I'm thinking I don't want her hopped up on sugar. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm, so she's gonna yell and scream and, and there were occasions where literally i would take the box of cookies and say i love you but it really wasn't i love you it was really shut up i just don't want you to know that so i have this so really what i was doing is i'm basing my reaction you know what I mean? I was giving into this moment based upon the way she, she, her yelling and screaming was making me feel, rather than me sort of doing what I knew to be the right thing.
1: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like she can you have remember? a cookie, yeah. just
3: not now. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. We are just about out of time. I would love to have this conversation forever. I know, right? That was. And we be supposed
2: good. to actually? Ah,
1: and we should. Yeah. On and
3: off, right? Or, that's yeah. right.
1: But how would you wrap this up? What are What is the best advice that you could give our listeners before they follow up with you at PreciousPolling.com?
3: Um, the best advice I can give is that it's an inside job and that the insight and the vision that you have is true. And it has been co-signed. And that all of those things that you've been through, all of those experiences that have you locked up, I say it is your opportunity to be able to share. And so it's about us realizing that we don't compete, but we complete one another. And the difference between compete and complete is the L. And the L stands for love. And when we begin to love ourselves, like God told us to, we begin to love each other effortlessly on the journey of promise into whatever levels of destiny that are called to us. So I just want you to know that it is, a baton, that it is up to us to pass the baton, to realize that we can never turn on anybody else's light, but we can provide enough light for them to find their switch. So it is our responsibility to stay lit in this world so somebody can find their way out of the darkness. I hope that somewhere on this hour that a light will shine in your darkness for you to know that yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me and the with me are us. God sent us to be with you to share with you our testimonies, the places where we fell short but where we got up again and that is how we grow by showing up because we can and because somebody is waiting on us so if you do your job then no work will be done so i choose me is about you realizing that if i work on me and i do my personal work there's nothing left to do thank you so much thank you oh. thank you for having us it's been such a privilege and a pleasure to be a part of what this amazing midlife love conversation. Yes.
1: And to our audience, if you love conversations like this, please join us again. We're here every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Go to crazysexymidlifelove.com and join our love family. Download Devin's free ebook: Women Are Smarter Than Men.
2: (laughs) Because they are.
1: And next. we'll see you again next
0: week. Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at crazysexymidlifelove.com. To get alerts to live shows, call in and ask questions, or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men and Other Secrets Marriage-Minded Women Need to Know. Also available at Love.com.